You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Yeah. Hi, gang. Welcome back. Hello, Riverdale gang. We are here in 2020 uh, with you again. It's election year in the United States. Use it wisely. Use it well. <laughs> Welcome back to our podcast recorded here on the unceded territories of the uh, Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, as is much of Riverdale. And we are here with a very special guest and a very special little bonus episode for you uh, to welcome everyone back from the mid-season. Please welcome Sean Deppner. Hello. Who, who plays Brett. Hi there, I'm Sean Deppner. I play <laughs> Brett Weston Wallace, and it is a, a joy to be here. Yeah, um, thank you so much for making time, first of all. Mm-hmm. We've been um, crossing schedule paths for like two months now yeah. uh, to, to find time. Because this is hard. <laughs> um, it's been a busy time for all of us. But no, I'm glad mm-hmm. we could uh, we could finally nail down a time, and what an auspicious night. Um, yeah. The, uh, the first episode after hiatus is airing tonight, and uh, I'm stoked about it. So this is going to be great, because Chloe and I have not seen the episode. Mm-hmm. And um, this is going up after it's up, so... You can talk about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're going to be confused and excited. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And yeah, Sean was saying in our, our pre-interview that um, there's a lot of meat. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, without saying too much, uh, the next few episodes gets pretty, uh, pretty, pretty stony heavy. Um, a lot of the, the old, the old <laughs> Stonewall prep kids. Um, but yeah, no, actually... A plot time. Um, what I love about uh, this episode, the uh, episode 11 mm-hmm. of, uh, of season 4, mm-hmm. is just um, we finally get to see the, uh, the main four coming together again. Right. Because um, oh. I, I, I often feel... <laughs> Sometimes when you're watching Riverdale, it's sort of a very diversified show, the sort of Game of Thrones thing where mm-hmm. everyone's on it opposite ends of the planet, but yeah. um, uh, the the dear old preppies at Stonewall uh, managed to bring everybody together against a common enemy, um, and so it it was a, 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 a real joy. I got to do some uh, some scenes with, uh, with everyone in the main cast, actually, mm. um, and that was nice after being on for, like, ten episodes, and it's like, oh, I finally get to, like, hang out with Cammie and, like, right, right. do a scene with her, um, which is, yeah. Just, just wonderful, and I'm, yeah, I just can't wait for uh, for the next few things to drop so I can really dig into it. But. Awesome, yeah, awesome, we're awesome. excited. So, are you? You said you were shooting on Monday when we nearly talked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, were you doing Riverdale shooting? Yeah. Or? Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, which episodes are you in the middle of shooting? Like uh, right there... now, we are shooting four, fifteen, or sixteen. I can't oh, okay. recall exactly. Okay. Approximately three or four ahead. A month or yeah, two ahead. Right. I reckon so. Release, yeah. okay. give or take. And so, is the script kind of constantly changing? How so? Um, I know that a lot of um, TV writers like mm-hmm. gauge audience reaction and change the script accordingly. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Sakasa is one of or Akira Sakasa mm-hmm. is one of those or not. But is uh, like, do you get sides a few weeks in advance, and then when you get to set, they're different kind of a thing? <laughs> no, I get. I tend to get our scripts maybe uh, three or four days oh, okay. before we start shooting. Gotcha. Um, but I can say this: the uh, the writing team on uh, on Riverdale has been uh very responsive um the uh certain things that happen in the season uh now i can't say with absolute certainty because i'm not in the on the writer's room but i can say that 
certain things have happened that were not necessarily expected. Um, various reactions, um, certain things, and so uh, the writing staff have been incredibly adept at being able to uh, adapt and uh, and alter their plans yeah. um, in uh, in a way that I think uh, that I think people are really going to dig. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But there's no change usually from between when you get the script to when you get on set. Little tweaks, you know. This gotcha. line goes here, but um, mm-hmm. but once I see the script, that's more or less what we're shooting. Gotcha. Right. There's no Tarantino write it on the day kind of noise. No. no well, <laughs> there's a there's a couple. <laughs> I when I'm on set, I'm constantly trying to work in my own little like ad libs and touches. Okay. And actually, 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 on my first first episode, when you see me, mm-hmm. um, I say, Betty, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about uh, Moby Dick, and she says, No, actually, I've had my fill of my place, my fill of this place. Um, that was supposed to be the end of the scene, but uh, I threw in, it's a lot to digest. Speaking of which, uh, our cafeteria has keto, raw, vegan, keto, and something, something, something. All of that was just me. And I think coming up in 412, uh, I don't want to say which line because I don't want to jinx it just in case the, uh, the Riverdale overlords are listening, but there's one line that I dropped on set that everyone, that, that crap cracked up the whole crew um and i am i got all my fingers and toes crossed that it actually makes it into the uh, into Fine. the final cut um uh no i can't I'm, it's okay i'm trying to be come, very good come back at the end of the season yes yes yes, yes, yes oh I, I i seriously i i i have a running uh 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 what do you call it when things are all cut together like a montage uh a running yeah montage of just all my little bits that uh, were like made up on the day and so uh i want to a collection wanna... of your lines yeah 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 that, no, sean deppner's uh, uh <laughs> pretty collaboration someone on twitter made a uh, uh um a montage i'll just keep using the word a, montage a incorrectly no they, they did a collection of like every time my character says forsyth uh, oh, like a oh supercut. Uh, yes, kind of a, a supercut. Thank you. And so it's just like about 11 seconds of just Forsyth, 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 Forsyth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I really got a kick out of that. So uh, if you're one of those people who likes making those little supercuts of the weird little things I do, I love it. Um, and by all means. Um, on the topic of that scene um, with you and Betty at the beginning and Jughead, mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, it was funny, um, when we figured out who you were, mm-hmm. we were talking about how, like, we know that you're, like, this really nice, personable human being, <laughs> but, like, we absolutely hate you. Yeah. Like, this character is so hateable. Yeah, I have an extremely punchable face. Uh, I have learned that is just huh. part of my casting, and uh, without giving too much away, you got a lot of that to look forward to. Right. I think it's it's right around this time in the show that the writers realize we can just hit him a bunch, and <laughs> I think he takes a punch really good because I get hit in the face towards the end of the season about just about every episode by somebody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no real big douchebag hours. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it is such a delight to play ask, is Brett. It, is it a delight or yeah. is it just kind of icky? No, it's great. It's so okay. great. Because the thing is, Brett loves Brett. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I tend to do this thing where I just sort of, not in, not super intentionally, but I just tend to exist in the emotional space of whatever mm. characters I'm playing. I was doing a play over Christmas, and it was a very, like, sort of tortured, uh, self-hating person. And so, like, at the rehearsals, wonderful because it's a play but I would be like very like 
morose. Like, um, just sort of existing of in that guy's face. Yeah. Versus Brett is just uh, overflowing with cockiness mm-hmm. and like self-admiration. And so just getting to live in that space, like on set I'm having a good time, I'm making jokes. And um, because he's a villain... Mm-hmm. Um, and he constantly has to be creating an obstacle for for Jughead, even when Jughead throws him on the desk or you know mm-hmm. uh, just objectively gets the upper hand on him. I still I can't just give up because then the season's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even if I objectively <laughs> lose the scene, it's like yeah, I'll get punched in the face. He's like, oh god. Right. Just as planned. Like, yeah, right. Brett always gets to feel like a winner, mm-hmm. even when he's losing. So yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah. Cool. It's been really fun watching, um, this season unroll and seeing, seeing your role grow on it, you know, unexpectedly. Only in that usually local actors don't get a full season Mm. antagonist kind of a bit. And seeing Chipping fall by the wayside, Mm. seeing sort of this secession of characters not be the real villains this this um, season. It's been really exciting watching that build-up mm-hmm. happen. It's like, is it going to be Brett? <laughs> Are you going to murder Jughead? Well, I can't, I can't say anything, of course. <laughs> of course um, but I can say that it has been a real honor to be on the show as long as I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, when I booked the job, mm-hmm. they told me... It, Two or three episodes. Right. And here we are shooting episode 15 or 16. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I feel extremely privileged to have been on the show this long and be able to have play uh, this much of a pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, what I really dig about this storyline is Chipping, you know, says it right off the top. There's a zero violence tolerance policy at, uh, at Stonewall Prep. And it mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a different dynamic of... I suppose intrigue and and mm-hmm. more of a kind of emotional violence. Uh, right. Of course, you know I get hit in the head with a golf club um, and slapped in the face a few times, but it's 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 really violence is sort of like not the end goal. Yeah, generally that's not the Stonewall kids doing it. Yeah, that's, that's that Riverdale influence. That's that rough Riverdale style. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and the Stonewall kids are the ones who sit stoically as someone leaps out a window. Yeah. In yeah. One of the creepiest. I dis- gotta say. <laughs> gotta say. I mean, I know that Riverdale is supposed to be sort of a bubblegum show, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we both like so much about the show is that it's like, I don't I don't mean bubblegum necessarily. I mean, like, it's a very, like, I, I don't even necessarily mean clean, but... Um, like... It, it, it is... I don't really know exactly what word I'm looking for. It is the opposite of what I'm about to describe, okay. which is um, when it does delve into these moments of like, wow, that's actually quite creepy or this is quite disturbing or mm-hmm. th- whatever. Like when Jughead got locked in the coffin, I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Right. <laughs> um, um, right. But those fun moments like that are, are really kind of dark and fun. Like um, that chipping, chipping jumping night. out of the window mm-hmm. and you all just mm-hmm. sitting there. Ooh. Of course, that that movie, like, it's, so here's this sort of tying into something we were talking about, the pop culture references in the show. Um, like, uh, there was a lot of references in that episode to the movie Hereditary, mm-hmm. which which it is called. Mm-hmm. And this episode that we're going to watch together is called The Ice Storms, refer- mm-hmm. reference to the movie The Ice Storm. Um, is that talked about in in the direction at all? Or is, is that given as homework, go watch this, you know, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, this... 
show is so laden with references yeah. and especially the Stonewall stuff yeah. because we're all like literary kids yeah. so I mean the books we talk about any given episode mirror uh, what's happening to the characters you know we're constantly uh, oh we got a real Harold Bloom here like yeah. there's there's references all over the place mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I try to do my due diligence to um, take a look at uh, you know if I'm not already familiar with the reference yeah. to understand it. But for me, like, you know, my character's Brett Weston Wallace, of course, a reference to Brett Easton Ellis, Donna Donna Sweet, Donna Tart. Um, like, right, all right, the right. Stonewall oh, kids are yeah. a reference to someone, you know, Joan mm. is literally Joan Didion, um, yeah. or whatever. Um, and, but... Mm -hmm. Probably more than ever even makes it to screen, really. There's a lot back there, but, but for me... I can really get lost in that kind of minutia. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, 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 we need to serve up every reference. And right. so f for me as a performer, I often need to like dial back and focus on like, oh, references are cool, but what's actually happening in this right. episode? Yeah, what does my enough. character want from the other? You know, mm -hmm. what do I have to do to tell this story? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in terms of the, the process, it's check out the reference, have that inform... Uh, the performance, but then really focus on the nuts and bolts of what Brett wants from Jughead right. or Donna, because mm -hmm. um, that's what it's about. Um, references are are very cool and clever, um, but the show is really about yeah. interpersonal stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I guess like um, that that also speaks to like what the actor's job is. Mm -hmm. Like the actor's job isn't necessarily to be the overarching. Um, um, thinker in that way like your job is your role you know so well yeah the, the, the job is to it is the writer's job to write clever and 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 ideally honest um, yeah. words <laughs> yeah. and it's the actor's job to, to bring that to life yeah, exactly. and, and yeah, uh, depending on the the various scenes oh man there's some really cool stuff that comes up that just changes like dynamics of like <laughs> Brett off his game that I really want to reference um it, but scene. yeah you, it is it is it is just important to look at a scene that you're doing realize your job in it mm -hmm. and deliver on that and and right. and that needs to be the first thing and if you can also tee up um mm -hmm. a really nice bit of dialogue yeah um then that's a cherry on top yeah totally. but uh you must never put the 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 horse before the cart or wait <laughs> Contrawise, the cart before the horse, yeah. as it were. Yeah. I think I was particularly attuned to this cart um, in heredit the Hereditary episode because mm. I just seen Hereditary, which is partly why I was mm. curious. Anyway, <laughs> you look like you're about to ask a question, Ryan. Oh, I suppose I could. Mm -hmm. um, I was just going to ask a bit about uh, your time on set. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about a few of the the folks you've worked with before, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's a set where you get to come back week after week and uh, build these longer term professional dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, how has your time with the cast been? Who do you get to work with? Well, wonderful. I mean, you guys have met Uncle Frank, right? He's he's made it to screen, has he? Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. Oh yeah, he's right oh, at the yes. end of the the last episode. Okay. Right yeah. I mean, if you want to, I'm your dad's brother. We're talking about like Vancouver actors not often being featured. Ryan yes. is a Vancouver actor, and he's extremely talented. Now we mm. haven't had any scenes together ourselves but he and I worked on Deadly Class together which was my last show right and uh which is the t-shirt you're wearing which is the t-shirt I'm wearing because <laughs> I haven't done laundry and you get a lot of free t-shirts when you're on a show um but I can say this um 
uh, you know, I've read the scripts. I know Ryan's work. I cannot wait mm. uh, to see uh, what Ryan is doing with Frank. Not to mention, um, like, he... Uh, he knew uh, Luke Perry personally, and I I, I, ha I got a chance to talk to him about the role, and mm -hmm. it means a great deal to him that he gets the opportunity right. to do this, and mm. uh, and the scenes that they've written for uh, for his character are really good, and I uh, I'm just very very excited to see them all cut together. Um, but uh, but yeah, so just just a little love for the Vancouver-based folk. Yeah, that's um, really encouraging. I I was not sure what to make of that reveal and that offer at the yeah. at the last cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm now I'm hyped. Yeah, now get I have something get, to really fuck it, look forward to. Get okay. flipping <laughs> stoked, because um, yeah, Ryan just puts out exclusively good work, and uh, and there's a just a lot of there's a lot to love between uh, him and KJ. Uh, mm -hmm. Working together, um, spectacular. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Because I was, I was also kind of wasn't sure what to make of that offer at the end mm -hmm. of the hiatus episode because this mm -hmm. sort of seems to be a season of like surprise siblings. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah, um, Charles. Um, well, uh, Charles, and, and then um, Hermosa. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, of course. And now, and now Uncle Frank. But anyway, I'm, I mean, like, I'm gay. I'm who excited. Does, who this, doesn't? This, this is totally hype. I've like, done a couple hype. scenes with Wyatt, who plays Charles, uh -huh. and uh, mm -hmm. I love it oh, oh, oh. because if you put us together, oh, really? we look pretty. We look like yeah. siblings. Yeah. Like, yeah. there, we both had times where the other person has been like, the camera's been pointing at them and they've been on the monitor. And like, for a flash of your second, you're like, oh, is that playback? Like, is that me? Like, <laughs> oh, we get confused funny. by ourselves. Right. And so, uh, um, that tickles a theory I have about Charles and Brett, but say no more unless you're not allowed to. Well, I, uh, I, I don't know anything. Well, <laughs> see, this is the thing. I, I don't even want to say what I don't know because I don't cool. want to poo-poo anyone's theories. That's cool. That's cool. Um, <laughs> all I can say is I, I really enjoyed working with him and I, I'm very excited to see, uh, our scenes cut together. Um, in terms of, <laughs> I don't want to see just like cutting between us if it gets confusing for anybody. Right. I'd, I'd really love to do a scene where like, I don't know, like it's that classic like hall of mirrors thing where mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, <laughs> I got you now, Brett, there's nowhere to hide. Oh, but which one's the real me? And then I'm dressed <laughs> like he is in, anyways, um, that's just my own absurd imagination. Um, and it's become this visual offer yeah, that totally is ex has. exciting to mm -hmm. see what, uh, what it's going to grow into. Yeah. Um, yes. Awesome. Cool. Um, before we uh, settle in and do a, a little watch-through and commentary-style mm. track of one of uh, your past episodes, mm. um, I just wanted to ask you a bit more about uh, yourself, your oh. background, your acting style and experience, and just... Yeah, um, the last decade been? <laughs> yeah. last decade has been good, so of course, um, I owe everything, because uh, my entire career started uh, when, out of high school, I moved to Vancouver and auditioned for a, uh, 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 a theater festival at UBC, where, uh, where Dear Dear Ryan here uh, <laughs> gave me my first ever role uh, out of high school. Um, just a little, a little, a little uh, one-act play. Um, I, yes, I am so deeply satisfied by every way you framed this. Oh, and all of you. Um, but where, yeah. where are you from? You said you. I'm from, from here. Oh, okay. Um, you said you moved to Vancouver. Oh well, I, I grew up in Fort Langley. Oh, gotcha. So okay. anyone who's from Vancouver is like, oh, yep. that's not Vancouver. But anyone sure. anywhere yeah. else in the world, like, that's Vancouver. Yes. So yeah, Fort Langley is a little uh, town, 45 minutes down the highway from Vancouver. I moved out here when I was 18. Mm -hmm. uh, 
fuck, I went to film school. Because uh, and while I was there, I was like, oh, filmmaking is rad, but I miss acting. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I tried to get an agent, met an agent. He said, you aren't very good. Go get training. <laughs> I got some local training at Vancouver Acting School. Um, got an agent, started working, realized I still wasn't very good. Um, so went abroad to train for three years, one year in New York and two years in London. Cool. Um, Which schools did you go to? Uh, in New York, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. cool. was there for a year. And then I hopped over to London for the, uh, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Cool. Lambda. Um, which funny enough, while I was there, um, um, like the, the, the sort of the big, um, uh, what do you call it? Alumni. The big alumni of that school is Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, and, and John Lithgow, who, <laughs> who I deeply love, but he doesn't have quite the sex appeal of, of Benedict <laughs> he's Cumberbatch. Great. And he's, he's like, so good. Yes. Oh my uh, God, look, he's so good. This is not a John Lithgow fan podcast, but it could very quickly we turn into it if, if I'm not careful. <laughs> but, space. but the point of this story, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big nerdy boy. Um, the, the first year I'm going there is like, uh, the same year that Doctor Strange is coming out, and so two months in, they uh, they do these uh, these lunchtime talks where they bring in people to talk oh to the students, goodness. and I go to one of them, and who is it? Two months into joining, but none other than Benedict Cumberbatch oh, himself, and he is just as lovely and eloquent and handsome in real life as you'd expect, <laughs> and so it's it's a question and answer, and you know people are asking questions, and and you know it's like acting school, and I'm still new there, so I don't want to like put myself out there as being like, oh, you know, I'm I'm. I'm like the Canadian kid at the big London school, sure. and so people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're doing Hamlet at the ROC. And, you know, what is it? What is your process with the Polonius scene?" And he's like, oh, yes, and, and all I can think of is like, "Please talk about Smog. Please talk about the Hobbit. Please talk about being in Lord of the Rings." Like, but I like I was I, like I kept my hand. I needed to keep it down. And then thankfully, one of my friends, like with ten minutes left to go, she was like, "What was it like being Smog?" And I was like, "Oh, thank fuck, fudge." <laughs> Um, and so I was deeply satisfied. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Um, anyways, I graduated from that, uh, two or three years ago, uh, came back to Vancouver and managed to get on a show called Deadly Class, uh, pretty soon after that, which I deeply loved, uh, wonderful show about a high school for assassins where, oh, okay, (laughs) fun Fact. Yes. If you love the look of Stonewall Prep, then you'll love Deadly Class. The um the set designer okay. from Riverdale who designed mm-hmm. um uh, uh Stonewall Prep is the exact same set designer oh, who designed right. Deadly Class in King's Dominion, which is the name of the school. The common room like the no not common rooms, the the dorm rooms mm-hmm. are the exact same layout. They might even be the exact same walls, just furnished differently. It's gotten to the point where earlier this week I posted a picture of myself from Riverdale, just like Brett Mm -hmm. in the room, um, and it was like me on set versus me being silly. Um, And my Deadly Class fans were like, oh, I missed this show. It was so good. Because, like, my character, his hair, exactly the same. His outfit, like, sweater and tie and shirt, exactly the same. I was recently, like... I was comparing the two shows side by side, and with the exception of like a slightly warmer color palette, the scenes inside both schools are identical. That's funny. Um, so that's interesting. So that's a set because we've been trying to figure out which building in Vancouver that is. No, hundred percent. That is a set. Okay. It's out in Langley. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful set, and uh, 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 Malcolm, who plays uh, Mr. Dupont, 
um, whatever out there he because uh, he went to an, an all boys private school oh, back okay. in the day mm-hmm. and he always just comments on how eerily accurate it is to these kind of upper crust uh, yeah. uh, like stuffy uh, well to do uh, private schools um, and he even showed us his uh, his uh, class picture from whatever decade oh, that's um, he's got his little do you know which Do you know which um, fancy private school was? I couldn't say. I think he because okay. he's 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 from down south. He's an American, so I think okay. he's uh, grew up on the east coast. But I couldn't say where specifically. It wasn't was it? Willing, uh, Williston Seminary by any chance. Was it? Couldn't say. Okay. I know they My had an excellent uh, hockey and ski team. Okay, that's that's, not that's what I recall. <clears throat> the reason um, I ask is because um, my dad went to a fancy private school as well, and Stonewall Prep definitely fits the bill. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> that is the one out. reference. That I don't think is a reference. I don't think Stonewall Prep has anything to do with the Stonewall riots, which yeah, is yeah, we were a little that, that feels <laughs> almost like an oversight in naming association. Because when I first got it, I it's uh, like you're all gay, right? Obviously. <laughs> well, um, I can't say. Um, That's a tease. Uh, just a little. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was funny when I first got the, it was before I, I even uh, knew I got the job i got a mm-hmm. a, a message from uh, sarah who plays donna mm-hmm. she's like uh can't wait to see you at stonewall <laughs> and i didn't realize i got the part yet i didn't know the name <laughs> of the school but i did hello cad hello handsome uh but i did like when i was like 20 um mm-hmm. audition and got very quite close to booking the lead character in that film, Stonewall. Oh my god! Which was received very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Oh, I haven't seen that. I you mean, sat all the way back in the couch, yeah, Ryan. You, like... you would be Brian Singer's type. Yep. <laughs> That's Brian's... Ooh, uh-huh. Whoopsies. Anyways. Bullet dodge. Dodged bullet the dodge. bullet there. But, I was, but that was like the first time I ever came close to something big. And so it was like this thing that I was hanging on to. I was like, oh, I almost yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. So when she reached out, I was like... like can't wait to see you on Stonewall. I was like, how did you find out about this film that I auditioned for and almost got but didn't? Like, that is... Are, are you stalking me, Sarah? Um, but no, Stonewall Prep, as far as I can tell, is not related to the Stonewall riots whatsoever. But uh, That is kind of a wacky choice for a gay showrunner. We're just going to call it... We're both queer. We can say yeah. that. It's just a strange choice. Well, just because I don't know, it doesn't mean there aren't plans in motion. So I might just be dense and I might be missing the deeper, you know, queer reading of the the Stonewall Prep storyline. Next season, when you are Jughead's lover, we will come back to this. (laughs) Well, maybe you won't have to wait till next season. Hey. (laughs) Well, I think that's a good segue for us to to settle in for a a little watch-along time. Sweet, let's do it. Okay, guys. We're back. We're going to do a read read through. Hello, I'm in theater. A watch along <laughs> of uh, The Ice Storm, which I think is epi- uh, chapter 64, episode 7 of season mm. 4 with Sean. Hi, I'm Sean Detmer. Welcome back. <laughs> Very excited to watch episode 7 of season 4 with you guys. Settle in because we're going to have a cozy time in this ice storm. I'm I don't know why I'm TV. doing my- Sean's an actor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm doing like my sexy radio voice. <laughs> Because we're radio now. Fuck that shit. Fuck. Oh, gosh. Piss. <laughs> I can say piss, right? Is yes. piss fine? Piss. We're not going to beep any of them. No, it's uh, fine. I, iTunes Clean is just going to have to deal. Dickers. <laughs> Dickers has to be a soft swear. Okay, here's a little behind the curtain. Before I got here, uh, Ryan's like, so this is like a, uh, we're trying to get that, that iTunes Clean rating, so like, 
we try not to swear too much. Soft swears are okay, and I've never heard that term before, but I love it. And so, like in my head, I'm constantly going around all the all the all the dirty words I know, and whether they're hard <laughs> or soft swears. Um, and so, I'm really trying to explore my my soft swear. <laughs> Range. Well, you were in the UK for two years, and you can probably get away with, like, bollocks, which would be beeped in the UK, but it would not oh, be beeped here. Oh, yeah. So there you go. I don't know, that makes me sound pretty pretentious if I just, like, start dropping well, all the Well, we've set it up now. We've set it up now, ah. so you're safe. <laughs> bollocks. It would be seen as self-censorship. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> How noble of me. All right, let's, let's flippin' dive in. The ice storm is queued up with, uh, oh, yeah. if you want to watch along with us, folks, here is your Netflix Doom in three, two... One. Sean, do you want a pillow behind you? Oh, no, I want to be alert. Bye. Actually, yes, I do. Give me that pillow. <laughs> yes, Warner Brothers Television. Let's dive in. We are cozy Previously radio makers. Oh, yeah, God, this noise. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out, I think I'm starting to throw my, around my theories, but I'm trying to figure out whether or not Hermosa is eventually just going to be on Veronica's side or not. Like oh, if she's oh. setting it all up to take Hiram down, which is my secret hope. I'm here for it. I, I can see you're holding a grudge. It seems to be a large family thing. Um, I, I also want to mention why I uh, a bit of why I picked this episode mm-hmm. um, for Sean in particular. Um, we would loved to do uh, this week's episode, but Alex. didn't have it on hand. Another oh. local actor, another yes, local? another another local actor, and Cheryl's dead, big uncle. old voice actor too. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, feel free to tell your Mr. Chipping story now if you want to. Oh yeah. Her. I mean, I mean, we're gonna have a hot second. So, um, oh, God. Thanksgiving. Hell yeah. So, um, uh, 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 Sam Whitker, who plays uh, Mr. Chipping, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, absolutely a delight uh, to to work with. Um, and he is a massive nerdy man, and so am I. Um, he's written uh, uh, an entire book uh, called "The Art and Arcana" about the history of D and D. If you're a big D and D fan, it's because mm-hmm. um, like there's all about like how Gary Gygax started it, the iterations, you know, what mind flares looked like back in like fucking flipping uh, version one, and like, and it's unbelievable. So he's like. Proper nerd lad. He also played uh, a Star Killer in The Force Unleashed, so he's like mm-hmm. in with Lucasfilm uh, and Lucas Arts, and uh, and does a really good George Lucas Lucas impression. And so we we're just talking, <laughs> and we we're talking about all these nerdy things. We we're talking about uh, Star Wars and uh, and uh, and how much how excited I am for uh, season seven of Clone Wars, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. about Solo. Uh, and and Phantom Menace and Clone Wars and Rebels and how Rogue in Solo one. and no not not well, well yes Rogue One but the point is <laughs> Darth Maul is in those four first four things not in Rogue One <laughs> and how in uh, in in Solo they're able to marry. Uh, uh, the the sort of verbose nature of Darth Maul that you get in Clone Wars mm. with the the sort of physical live action statue that you get from uh, Phantom Menace and you know he has he's been working with Lucas uh, Lucasfilm and Arts Forever and so he's talking about it, he's like yeah 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 I thought that was really cool and when we were doing this scene it was really interesting to do that and when we and he kept saying we when we did this when we did this and I was like <laughs> wait a second Sam are you Darth Maul? And he's like, yeah. And I lost my goddamn mind because I will tell you this. I mean, I know you're here to listen about Riverdale, but if you ever want to see a brilliant reimagining of a character from like 
A, who's the coolest... Okay, well, Liam Neeson is the coolest part of Phantom Menace, but a close <laughs> second is Darth Maul. But he doesn't say he doesn't say anything. He's just like, this guy who has a double lightsaber, and that's rad. Um, but, oh, here we are now. I can here talk about this. Yeah. So this is <laughs> a set. We were convinced this was a building. I'm going to talk about Darth Maul more, but yes, yes. this is a set. <laughs> yeah, I mean, feel free. If you, you know, no, no, no. Cool see, this is what I know about. Um, so, yeah, this is a lovely set. Um... Oh, so when Chippen went through that glass, mm -hmm. that is not sugar glass. That oh, is not, bad. it okay. is safety glass. Does but, he use own stunts? Was that him? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like, they just hired a man to run at that glass and jump through it. And he <laughs> did. And like, not gonna lie to you guys. Nothing crazy, but he just had bits of glass in him afterwards. Yeah. Like, they have an ambulance, like, ready to go, because, like, that's just how that showbiz. But, like, he just jumped through that glass, because he's a stunt guy, and then they're just picking glass out of his hands. Like, stunt people are special people. They are the coolest they're people so cool. on the planet. Um, anytime I'm on set and, uh, and they, uh, they have a stunt guy for me and they don't, end up using him because like oh i because mm. i know i i've taken a few hits <laughs> in tv i know how to sell it and anytime i can just sort of do my own stunts i always feel like the coolest i'm, I'm one of the cool stunt kids um <laughs> That's cool. i guess when you have the opportunity it seems and you're young and fit and able to it's mm. like i would rather do the cool thing oh absolutely and well one of the things physical because uh, i trained in london my school had a particularly uh big focus on um mm -hmm. uh stage combat right yeah, cool. so um like any sort of uh, and also doing hey there i am look at me creeping on that cell phone mm -hmm. listening to Ooh, those private phone calls steely acting <laughs> my god um, is it hard not to break when you're just staring like not at the camera the reaction he i'll has. say this it is hard not to break doing any scene with kj okay. um kj is just so much fun and even um when uh oh, when so scenes between brett and Archie oh yeah they're coming up oh, yeah. and even just cole and i when we get really mm -hmm. in our face i think in the next few episodes there's like some real big um uh conflicts and it's like right there mm -hmm. and sometimes <laughs> We have this gag where when it's on the other person's camera uh, coverage, so mm -hmm. say the, uh, the 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 camera's looking at me, so you don't get to see Cole's face. When we're like, you know, a foot away from each other, really getting in each other's face, he'll just stop making eye contact with me and stare longingly at my mouth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are we about to kiss energy? Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, and... this explains all my fanfic vibes. <laughs> yeah. And, um... Just emoting Stone deep mobile? power. <laughs> we have at a lot each of fun. Other. Um, but yeah, no. you're you're in each other's faces a lot. Yeah, I yeah. am. I am the anti jug. Um, <laughs> but um, how much of a literary nerd is Brett, really? Or is it just mm. something something he can succeed at? Here's the thing, Brett, and this is evidenced by episode four twelve, because I went back and forth about just how much. His father's privilege and uh, position got him to where he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Brett is really damn smart. Okay. Now, whether he's a good writer or not, that's up to um, uh, interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, Jughead certainly thinks that he isn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chipping says that uh, the class is uh, one of the most talented mm -hmm. they've ever had when they introduced DuPont. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm at least part of that crew. Yes. Uh, but Brett is real, real smart. Okay. Um, 
Uh, and I always point to, to, to 412 for that. Um, now, he may not necessarily be, like, street smart, but, mm-hmm. like, he, at the very least, knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. when, uh, when they're getting into literature and, um, uh, I think, yeah, in, in the, the Halloween episode, he mm-hmm. sort of, I think it got cut for time, but he talks about how, um, uh, what's it, uh, Lovecraft isn't scary, and, oh yeah! And, oh, I remember that. And there's yeah, yeah. more of a uh, there's there's much more of a him going into the why of it uh, mm. that was left on the cutting room floor. Right. Um, it was a longer speech. Or yeah. A longer mm-hmm. point. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, in that first episode where he's talking about, uh, can I give you uh, my thoughts on yours? What was it? The Gremlin King. Mm-hmm. There's even more of a like a academic dismantleization. Dismantlement? I don't know. Uh, An academic takedown of Jughead's writing, much more of a critique. So in terms of what makes it to screen, uh, there's not a lot of evidence of uh, Brett's academia. Mm. But in terms of what we see Mm. in the scripts, and at least what I play, he certainly knows what he's talking about. Um, He's written capable. Yeah, I was curious Mm -hmm. to know what your choice choice it ended up I will say this. Mm -hmm. There is one scene, and I won't say which episode, but every, you know, whenever we're in the, 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 the Stonewall classroom, we're talking about some book, Moby Dick, or, or, uh, 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 doesn't matter. Heart of Darkness. Uh, Heart of Darkness, yes, that's the one I'm looking for. Um, there is one scene where I made it my choice that this time, Brett didn't do the reading. And that's not in the script, but it's just my own personal choice. And if you can if you can figure out which episode it is, I'll give you a gold star. I love these two. Uh, right yeah, now we got, we, got, we got Skeeton and... Uh, oh my god, look at them. Everything they've built between the parents' dynamics is... is it's great. Something I never expected from the original premise of this show. Mm-hmm. Um... This season's really brought it back to the contrast between the the, the parent actors and mm-hmm. then your generation of actors yeah. as well, um, both in like plot parallels and in some really interesting like um, personality matchups. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm I'm really here for uh, for Papa Lodge. Um, like I'm loving mm. what's what he's throwing just down this season. Not no like I not like not like that. Like yeah. like I'm supposed to hate him. You hate, hate the him. villain. We hate yeah. him the right way. <laughs> I just I I'm I, I'm really compelled by the character who's like mm. yeah I'm doing all this ah uh, not the turkey. No, I know mm-hmm. it's pretty tragic. Gosh, I but he, I loved this petulant moment. Oh yeah, we loved it. <laughs> Sometimes you do have to remember, like, oh yeah, they're seventeen. Yeah, like I feel like the writers remembered that really well this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, even you know, there's there's something so um, the whole Stonewall prep set makes you all feel young in a certain way. Yeah. Like it's it's it, it's reframing you back into high school, and it, yeah. it's interesting how quickly that for how that um, you know they're all kids fades when we lose that framing mm-hmm. on this show. Um, partially because everyone's in their mid-twenties in reality. Yeah. I mean, but... that is one thing that I really enjoyed about doing this show is just, um, there are certain shows, mm-hmm. I go out for teenagers a lot, I'm, uh, I'm not a teenager, um, <laughs> and so sometimes if I'm playing a young guy, like, I, I have this sort of baritone voice and that sort of sells me as, like, not a high schooler, mm-hmm. um, and so sometimes if I have to go in for something, I sort of have to, like, change my, uh, just, like, where I talk, but, like... 
everyone feels fairly grown up in this show. You know, mm-hmm. like no one, no one is like, oh yeah, Cole Sprouse, he's sixteen. Yeah. Like, and so I, I just as a as me was very happy that I could roll into so many scenes and just do the sort of like rumbly, mysterious, yeah. oh, like uh, watch out for Scythe, I'm gonna get you, and do like my danger low voice. Um, right. You're not obliged to play young. Yeah. You get to just play Brett. Yeah, first just because like everyone is in their mid twenties, and mm-hmm. so it's. Uh, yeah. You know, if you put me next to an actual seventeen-year-old, which I'll say this: uh, the fo- the football episode, um, which is airing like right now, um, uh, most of the football players are are an actual football team made up of actual high schoolers. Oh. Um, like any actor you see is, of course, played by us or yeah. stunt people. But it's just like a bunch of twenty-somethings and like sixteen-year-olds. And there's like one scene. Are they scene... terrifyingly fit and just destroy everyone? Is that where this is going? Well, I'm like deeply afraid of how fit teenagers are. No, well, that, dude. Okay, there's 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 one scene where like uh, I come over to like give Betty and Jughead a bunch of trash talk, and I'm like hanging out with uh, just a couple of these sixteen-year-old really lovely dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see me next to them, I mean, I'm not a small guy, and these guys are like, they look like they're receivers, like they're the, the smaller end of the football yeah. player spectrum, and they're, they must be like 15, and they just look like tiny children next to me, and so <laughs> I don't know if that'll make it into the cut, but it's like, if you ever wanted to see what actual high schoolers look like next to the cast of Riverdale, the football episode is a pretty good one. Excellent. But no, it, we're talking about like stunt guys and chipping going through the wall. The stunts in the football episode are mm. incredible. Some of these hits, these stunt guys are mad and they just throw themselves at each other and they know how to sell, making it look like they're hurt. So mm-hmm. one guy hits another guy, he goes flat and then he's just lying there and everyone on set is like, <gasps> do we need a hospital? And they call cut and just stands <laughs> up, but making everybody's heart stop. Ooh! Quill and Skull, what's that pin? We're getting some secrets. Yes, <laughs> the plot thickens. Oh yes, that's going to be relevant, isn't it? Oh that yeah. They've like seeded that comfortably. Quill and Skull, buckle up. I genuinely can't keep track of how much we know at this point, yeah. but it's important. <laughs> I'm saying like they're on the right track here, kids. This ain't this ain't just a red herring. That Quill and Skull stuff that kicks off. Which is a reference to Quill and Choir, right? That's real. Quill and Choir? Maybe that's in Harry Potter. What's that? Maybe I don't. I think I don't I think that's in Harry Potter. I know my Harry Potter pretty well. I don't know. Quill and Choir? Maybe that's a secret society and like Dick. I don't know what I'm thinking of, but a Quill and Choir is a real thing, and I assumed that that was a reference. I believe it is a reference. I just don't like know choir, what Q-U-I-R-E, exactly. Which is not. Well, I'm not gonna look it up. I'm not gonna Google it. I'll that's just okay. live in my ignorance. We've Let's live in the moment, Radio Cast. <laughs> look at that pop sign. It's cold yeah. outside. It's cold. Mm. The whole, like, I, I, I often gush about the lighting and the, the, the color yeah, choices the in the show as well. Here. What I love about Riverdale is just the whole production design, but the absolute timelessness of it. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. especially when you get to be on set, you get to walk around and, mm-hmm. like, even in this diner, you know, it's so 1950s, <laughs> they've, you know, they've got a jukebox. Right. And, like, but, like, people still have cell phone, like... Like, even in the same room, um, <laughs> like, like, whether they're list like, like, you can have, like, an 8-track player or uh, a gramophone, depending on, like, where you are. It's just, like, whatever is iconic, mm-hmm. that's what they go with. And even just, like, the lighting fixtures are, like, mm-hmm. retro, um, but, like, it's not about 
like what actual period of time mm-hmm. it's not tied to any specific time it's, it's like what is the most iconic like feel like even the vending right. machine like we'll see yeah. a vending machine later like right. there was a whole discussion about which vending machine we choose and it's like kind of an old schooly but not so old school that it yeah. takes well, here folk, it is. like here it is. there yeah. you go look at me i know tv my god um <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a detail. That's actually, uh, like, something we quite like, Ryan mm-hmm. and I, about the show, are all these little vintage things that come... Like, there's a scene, mm-hmm. I think, earlier in this Even season. the font on the fake candy. Oh, boom, yeah. who's this? Yep. Spooky axe, spooky yeah. bunny head. <laughs> Such a good idea. Um, Such a reasonable, normal high school thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, the wonderful... Oh, Stunt. God, hit me with... Actually, that so, might have been me. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> They had the stunt guy in there sometimes, but oh dear, poor Sarah. You can't see anything in those masks. And they had to do some take, because you have to hit a particular mark, and you can't see the floor. Oh. And uh, we just had to do a few takes of her. uh, Just blind arriving. Just blind running. That's that's a real (laughs) tough ass to like run down the thing, say a line while you have this mask on. But, so that's uh, a direct reference to um, to the um, the Ice Storm, the movie. Um, there's a lot ooh. of like weird rubber masks in the Ice Storm. There's a scene where two of the teenagers have sex, and one of them's wearing a Richard Nixon mask, like that ooh. kind of thing. And it's an odd movie. It's great. Like it's totally weird. But that was like I was like, oh, it's a reference. There's one. <laughs> You gotta like keep like a like I don't know like a tally or a bingo card of like yeah re- like reference totally. to like some of book reference film reference. Um, there must yeah. be a wiki at some by by I'm this sure point by four seasons. Someone must be tracking this. Of just like yeah. reference wiki. Yeah. Riverdale's big enough. So this was my first introduction to the concept of deep frying a turkey. I had no idea that was real. I'm American. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. I read that in the script and I was like. Sure. I mean, I read that. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, new to me, too. Oh, here comes trouble. Here comes trouble. Uh, I'm delighted to see this actor oh. back in as well. I, I'm not sure. I don't know her personally, but... Um, she's been in a previous episode and had lines. Yeah. We figured out it's probably the same character. Yes. Here is a fun fact. Yeah. Please. The boxing, uh, El Royale Boxing Club, is right next to the Stonewall set. Oh, cool. They are like neighbors and uh, ever since he made it a community center they have gauntlet legends uh in the back which is one of my favorite like old school arcade games like blue wizards about to die yeah red warrior needs food badly ah look at him he's getting his stitches ouch uh this scene actually there's a lot of business of the belt the thing (laughs) pretending to get stitches put in my head Mm -hmm. um there's a lot physically going on. There here. was a lot. That not gonna lie, that took me some some takes to get that right. And then I gotta pick this up. Oh, gotta make that fall. <laughs> there that was just that was probably the most like business heavy scene. Mm. But this I really like. This next part here where it's like, hands off. Yeah. He's real defensive. Wait, suicide note, is it? A little bit. And then here comes the cover. Mm-hmm. It's an exercise. And this is what I really like about these two is you never know how much what they do is nonsense. Because they are two, like, weirdos, so they absolutely would write suicide notes. They are in a secret society. Mm -hmm. Or is that just a cover? Like, Mm -hmm. and I I really dig that. They built that ambiguity Mm -hmm. really deeply into the character. I mean, so many moments of of deep, almost like the children of the corn creepiness after the the window suicide. Uh, Like... Yeah, this con- this constant something's not right with these kids. Mm-hmm. 
and yet they went a whole half season without anyone else really seeing it in world. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep waiting for the rest of the Riverdale world to clue in on just how messed up these characters are. And it sounds mm. like that's kind of what we're getting. That might be coming that down yeah. the I will say this. Alex Barima, who plays Jonathan, mm-hmm. is my absolute favorite part of Stonewall Prep. He doesn't get, Ooh. he gets like no lines, yeah. but every episode, with the exception he's not in this one, every episode he's in, there's at least one moment of him just having like, just like a look or like when Mr. DuPont like first arrives. Is he the other guy in the Yeah, in the he's, round the, table? he's yeah, the other glasses? guy. He's yeah. the guy with the glasses. Yeah. And like we're like, oh Mr. DuPont, interesting. No, 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 no. It's when Chipping is like, I wrote the books. And like we're all like, oh, interesting. And he's and Alex playing Jonathan just has like this smile on his face. He doesn't have a line, but he's just so good at listening and reacting. And whenever I watch our scenes, I just can't take my eyes off him. And if you have been watching Dear old Jonathan in the background. Mm. Give it another look because he is just a delight and cracks me up. Um, and uh, coming up in four twelve, I think he has like the he has, I think he has exactly one line in it. Mm. But boy, howdy, does he really sell it? Yeah. I mean, like in terms of mileage, no one does it better than Alex Green. We sort of been wondering when we're going to hear from the other students in that class. Like they've been quite quiet and kind of like how much do they know Mm -hmm. for most of the season. I will say the second half of the season there is a concerted effort to uh to make them a bigger part of the uh the the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um the uh the 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 higher ups rightfully so became uh, quite impressed with their sort of like behavior in the background. Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking about with Alex. Yeah. And they're like we need to we are underutilizing these uh these actors who are yeah. very capable, and so yeah, if you're looking for more, uh, more Jonathan and Joan, mm-hmm. um, you you don't have Great. long to wait. Great, it's it's interesting. That's um that's not the first time I've heard um on an Agira Sakasa show that um parts can get beefed up mm-hmm. if and when things uh, are going really smooth. Absolutely, yeah. um, we were talking to one of the um Sabrina cast members. Uh, about uh, their, their Christmas Annette episode. Riley, do you know her? Well, Steer. No, I don't think I She's do. She's local. She, she plays Sabrina's mom. Anyway, oh, okay. Sorry to interrupt you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, oh, they're, this They're seems... good at talent development, it seems. Yeah. They all, like, yeah. if they got someone good, they'll use them. I like this scene. We did playing... too. Um, fun fact, uh, I think I was the only person in this scene who'd ever actually played Never Have I Ever in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Interesting. Why? What, what is and why are you teaching? Cool. <laughs> the other, the other thing that we, the thing that I loved about this scene is I can't believe Jughead and Betty think this is gonna work. Like they're sitting down with two people who've been set up to be like class act manipulators. Mm-hmm. Better like, chess oh, players. We'll, we'll get them to tell us all their secrets and. Uh, well, I think have I ever. the the thing you, <laughs> you miss know? is it's it's. Sort of like a a, a a boxing match yeah, where not every punch you throw mm-hmm. is meant to be a knockout punch. Right. So much of this whole season um, is just sort of feints and counterfeints and like trying to provoke each other because mm-hmm. like no one's just going to come out and say what they're going to say unless they're off their game. Yeah. So to come out and just like accuse people, it's not that you're necessarily expecting them to say the truth. Mm-hmm. It's about how they react to that, and you know, it's the totally. what do they know? We know they know, you know. Right. And so even 
coming up after this scene, you have Jugs like, oh, you guys are just so cool. Never cracking a smile. Never cracking. And so you constantly see him trying to provoke um, a reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. They don't know how good we are at what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because we put up a front, or do we? Are we really all that? Or is that just us, you know, being teenagers and trying to be all that cool? That's true. So, I mean... I find, I find sorry, it, I love yeah. the detail in this set. There's like a Gustav Klimt on the mm. wall, and then there's this skull covered in butterflies with that are black. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> carry on. I was just going to say, I love that they um, let the audience sit in that question mark space as well, that... Um, there's enough mystery surrounding um, your your characters, the, that set of four people, that we don't know how competent you are either. Mm-hmm. And like in many ways, we expect and are expect someone like Betty to one up you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it 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 builds tension and stakes in a very interesting way for me yeah. to see a character like Betty stumble. Right, because kind of going back to whether or not the character is a literary nerd, like, mm. is I think a big question that we're we're sort of programmed, not programmed, but sort of prompted not to answer is, is Brett powerful because of his privilege, or is he powerful because of his mind, or is it both? Now that's a wonderful, wonderful question that I want to dig into. But just one thing mm-hmm. that yeah. moving forward, watching the show, yeah. something to keep track of, especially with the Stonies. Because there's so much double think in terms of their privilege and whatnot, mm-hmm. that what they say is not always at odds with what they do. Mm-hmm. There are contradictions in their behavior mm-hmm. that they refuse to acknowledge. Um, and sadly, I can't dig into uh, specifics. Yeah. Um, yes. But but um, but coming up, there are just inconsistencies mm-hmm. um, that when you watch out for, you're like, oh, that is where their sort of worldview um, falls apart. Now we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. their privilege and their idea. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can speak with certainty about Brett. He is so wrapped up in ego and identity. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes himself to be better due to his privilege. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, like I say, he is, of course, um, uh, this intelligent and, like, dangerous individual. Um, but he believes... That is derived from his like status, mm-hmm. um, and so what Jughead represents for Brett is here comes in this kid who is as good, if not better, at the thing that he does, mm-hmm. um, but from a from a world that Brett sees as completely not of value. Yeah, and so this throws his whole. He says, "I am better because you are worse." Um, but if someone from the like the, the the poor world can be as good as him, well, that threatens his whole worldview and thus his identity. And so he either has to um, bring Jughead into the society, which we see at the end of the season, mm-hmm. saying, "Ah ha ha!" But he's a special one. He's clearly good enough to. If he can be one of us, yeah, then it's okay. Because yeah. right. if he can't reconcile that thought process of this person doesn't belong here unless they're one of us, mm-hmm. then he either has to rethink his whole life or destroy the thing that is making him question his entire worldview. How interesting. Almost sounds like motivation for murder. I know you can't say (laughs) anything. One might think that. Um, (laughs) What a treat to get to play your character's cognitive dissonance over 15-ish episodes. Yeah, totally. Um, Must be a treat. That seems like a rare layer of uh, television character play. Mm -hmm. um, Especially for a character that's not a main. You know, mm-hmm. like, you get a lot of opportunity. It's cool. Well, the, the really fun thing is, I mean, 
we get episode by episode. They mm-hmm. don't tell you the arc that you're going to go on. They don't. You don't get the journey. Right. You have to build it piece by piece, and so you have to see. Okay, what have I said in the episode so far? What have I done? What am I saying this episode? What am I doing this episode? Mm-hmm. And like, how do I reconcile that? And when you sort of put this together, sort of slowly and holistically, um, over time, you get this sort of window into the, 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 the thoughts of these people. And I'll say this. One of my favorite scenes coming up in a few episodes, you just get to see Brett and Donna on their own. Oh, cool. When Betty and everyone else is not there and you don't see them doing their whole shtick mm-hmm. for oh, the world. Cool. And I think we just get one or two scenes of this, but they're absolutely my favorite of the whole season. Because right. you get to see Brett and Donna in their private space. Right. Not completely private because they're still there together, but where they're not playing the game mm-hmm. at uh, Jones and, and the rest. Right. And cool. that was incredibly valuable for me in terms of the insight into mm-hmm. how they relate to each other um, when they don't have to be on the same team because they have a shared enemy, but when it's just the power play between them. Um, and All the table work comes into, yeah. into yeah. play. Really and again, I have to come back later in the season so I can actually dig into uh, yes. that episode. That's... Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> oh, is, is Sarah local? Speakeasy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Sarah's local. All the Stonewall folk are local. Oh, cool. Sarah and I like carpool down a set together. <laughs> right. um, uh, the Langley Loop. Yeah. Are you are you out in Fort Langley right now? Gosh, no. I didn't no. think so. I mean, my mom my mom lives out there. Yeah, uh, that's uh, convenient for the, the long yeah. Days. So there there's some uh, there's some long days where you gotcha. have to come in early the next day, and I just crash over. I was like, hey, mom, feed me and let me sleep here. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. That's right. Hiram knows how to throw a punch. I liked this fight a lot. I liked them both remembering that, despite the fact that they're public officials, they're <laughs> also brawler crime. <laughs> they're just. Run the whole gambit there. What well, FP and played by Skeet is yeah. his whole journey over the whole show. Like, I know. Because like totally. he's working so hard to put his life together and be sheriff, but yeah. like this scene, you really see the whole like gang leader yeah. is still in there and still wants to come out, yeah. and um, and that never grows. This whole Tyson Jeronicusy. Oh my God! This whole messed up family it's yeah. so bloody creepy yeah we got the doll the blossoms were fascinating i was <laughs> so prepared to be horrified with everything every single thing this season and yet they they managed to normalize the jason corpse at a certain point really <laughs> relatively okay relatively, relatively speaking every scene i see is just like it's got that weird uh rigor mortis face and I, it never got normal for me. I was like, this is, this is weird. When Tony's just like, this is not okay. I'm like, yes, yeah. this is not okay. We were really cheering for, like, obviously Cheryl has recuperated and we're like on board for their relationship again. But there was a bit where I was we're like, Tony, just run. run. Get out. Get out. Get out. Of that house. Yeah. Nana Blossom yeah, we're continues tra- to grow on me as well so yeah. much. We're trying to figure out how much she's orchestrating. Also, how big. much she's even, like, aware of yeah. all Hi, this stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like... What's Nana Blossom's deal, exactly? Brett and Donna keep you guessing, but you just have no idea yeah. with Nana. Like, <laughs> does she have magic powers? Like, yeah. if, like... Actual prophecies? You could... Yeah. Just... Anything goes. 
Is she an evil racist? Is she our favorite? We're not sure. Honestly, this storyline, <laughs> it really does feel like it, it takes place like... It could just drop... We were talking about Sabrina. Like, you could just drop yeah. all these characters in Sabrina yep. and they wouldn't miss a beat. 100%. Like, literally, in this scene, they're feeding people to people, right? And there's like, a doll that's, that's the whole being treated thing. as a person. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. We... I mean, we... I, I'm gonna... I think I've given up that there's ever gonna be a Sabrina-Riverdale crossover, but every well, now and again, well... I can say this. I can't tell you the nature of it, but, um... Myself... Sarah, who plays Donna, and Dora Lynn, who plays Joan, are all on an episode of Sabrina together. Oh my god, in, I'm so excited. Not this season that's dropping right now, but in the next one. Ah, um, I'm so excited. I cannot tell you anything more than that. But um, it exists. But I can say that there's um, something. All I can say is that. You're on we are on an episode on all at the same time. All yeah. together. All together. And, uh, and I loved it and it, it kills me that we have to wait a whole nut like I don't know Wild. when the next season draws yeah. but it's like four six months like five I don't know yeah. basically it, half be a year fourth, the fourth yeah because they shoot yeah. the two seasons at once yeah because yeah. the next ah there he is yes see what a natural reaction to seeing a corpse in a chair yeah it's completely <laughs> everyone just sliding into their chairs this is a normal thing I mean by Blossom standards it would seem yeah uh, well that's um the whole Blossom family tree is just keeping long. every red-headed actor in Vancouver employed. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone here is local. Um, I've really been appreciating that in the show, um, their yeah. their commitment to local actors. Yeah. So we just got to celebrate Fester's reaction there yeah, to, great. like, that little... <laughs> Fester is us all in that, that moment. Yeah, truly. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this is this is him trying to... Power play. Mad Men, like... Like this regal, like power couple seating. Yeah, you totally own that too. Never have just, I love yes. getting to sit in this chair. It's <laughs> such a beefy boy chair. What kills me is they both literally covered up m- m- at least one murder, if not multiple. Betty and Jacket, yeah. yeah. Tall boy, the creepy man. Oh, yeah. And then. They're both the, lying the guy and never in the have tunnel. I ever. I mean, if you would like. Because. <laughs> As an actor, you, mm-hmm. you have to get on side with your character, no matter how bad they are. Oh, yeah. And if you would like me to, like, talk about the way in which the, like, main characters of Riverdale are morally bankrupt... Yes. Um, yes, 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 yes. They actually... I mean, I will... Does Brent hate them? I mean, I will say privilege. this. Well, aside from all that stuff I was talking <laughs> about, but if you want to talk about, like, privilege and, like, family connections, mm-hmm. Jughead alone and, like... You want to talk, like, nepotism? Like, they abuse the, like, position of sheriff so deeply in this whole season. Not to mention Betty with her FBI connections. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, we're the bad ones because our, like, our parents bought us to get in here. Or maybe we got in ourselves. But, like, look, we're in, like, a secret society. We're in some bad stuff. But, like, pot calling the kettle black, you guys. Like, how many drugs have you sold, Jughead? (laughs) Never done them. Never done them at, if uh, we are jingle jangle. <laughs> Remember what? that entire season? Wait a second! They it, were all doing. Pixie they sticks? lied because oh, earlier <laughs> in uh, in when in the in the never have I ever mm-hmm. we're like never have I ever done drugs. Are 
And like Joan and I are like, uh, Donna and I are like, ha ha ha, we did drugs and they don't drop their finger. I don't, I don't think Betty and Jughead, you ever actually see them doing it. They just remember, sell it. Remember, They're Betty, not high on their own supply. Betty's at that party where they, everyone else yes, gets high Betty's and then the one she like one. yells at Veronica and then leaves and cries. I don't know. No, I feel like I feel like they were all on meth for a good four episodes. <laughs> That's true. That was the implication. I we well, there you go. So we're not the only ones lying in that rabbi ever. Yeah. God, look at Skeet doing his thing. Look at him staring in the middle distance. God, I could watch this man all day. Yeah, he's great. This depth between him. Oh, and oh, this is the one. This is the one where he's like, I can be sheriff mm-hmm. and a gang leader. What are morals? What is? What is it? I got nothing middle, wrong with Skeet. Skeet's a gang leader who plays sheriff, but never <laughs> stops being a gang leader. He's true to himself. <sighs> but like, and he never really tries to play the high ground. He's like, look, I'm a mess and I'm doing my best. Yeah, well, I mean, he was installed functionally. Yeah, whereas... He, he was always corrupt. He's just tried to be less corrupt. Honestly, um, I haven't put much thought into demonizing Skeet. For me, it's all just, <laughs> just Jug and Betty. <laughs> Woof. I love how on it, the with the evil right. Mad Genomics character is as well. Alice yeah, Cooper great. is one of the most her. fascinating um, good evil characters on the show. I find how she can just consistently plays both and the neutral media who rips into everyone and lures. Oh. She does some bad things coming up <laughs> that just get kind of skipped over. Um, right. a little bit, like, it's like a, oops, I did that, I may have thrown your whole life into peril, whoopsies. Like that time she embezzled her daughter's college fund for mm. a cult. Yeah, there's... And that was fine. There's some more, I mean, that was for a cult, that was for a purpose, there's some stuff coming up where I'm like, oh, that is, uh, that is a betrayal of trust, but we're gonna, we're gonna skip along, cause like, oh, excellent. you know, and I think that's 412 Especially after the Gina Torres therapy. everybody makes it my fault. (laughs) You'll see. (laughs) Alice does does something, and I catch her, and I'm the bad guy. Okay. You get scenes with Machinamic. Oh, yeah. You get... Oh, 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 yeah. There's there's a couple scenes where she gets really up in my face. Fun. um, Yeah. I assume that was fun. It's it's a delight. (laughs) Um, I think 4.13 um, Mm. is where things sort of really kick off... um, so you, you really get to play with the main cast. Not oh, our big yeah. four here, but our A-plot is becoming the A-plot. Oh, yeah, I got scenes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, like... have, you met, have you met Molly Ringwald? Yep. <laughs> cool. I, uh... <laughs> so, here's a fun little thing. Wait, no, I can't tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but, mm, no, 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 I can't. We'll be... wait, wait. after recording. Yes, yeah. please. Um, so, sucks to be you, listeners. Yeah, I will tantalize you with it until the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, uh, I mean, even at, like, uh, the table reads and whatnot that we do mm-hmm. for the episodes, mm-hmm. you get to see everybody, but, uh, right, of course, when you actually, oh, uh, look, at, get them all snuggly, and what do we have here? Creepy. Sexy videos <laughs> without consent. Not okay, not okay. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Brett's a bad guy. Brett is a bad guy. Brett does bad things. But, you know. Technically, Brett made child porn. Yeah, yeah absolutely. True. If we're looking at it, definitely child pornography. But in the eyes of the law. In, we, the, in the Riverdale do... spectrum of criminal acts. It's true. Minors are not treated with respect in this show. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a shamey on the show. It's just a shamey on the in-world adult. On the world itself, yes. 
I will say this later in in the one of my favorite things mm-hmm. is uh, the, this sort of uh, videotaping sort of comes up, and I think someone accuses me, yeah, Jughead or somebody accuses me of mm-hmm. of of filming Jug and Betty, and I deny it patently. I'm like, that's I can't remember the like. Who, I think the line is just. Who would ever want to watch you two hooking up? That's so gross. <laughs> and, like, it's so gross to Brett. But, of course, like, we all know there's a very avid fan base yes. who definitely want to see <laughs> that video. Instagram is ready. But my my favorite thing is just Brett finds the idea of those two hooking up revolting. Yeah. And it's my favorite thing to play. <laughs> oh. Brett, Brett is pure. Brett thinks... Only about your brain and your personality. He's a true And seller. judges you by that. He's a true seller. He just thinks that Betty's gross. And I love that. Inexplicably, <laughs> yeah. I can think of no logical reason, but Brett just finds mm-hmm. Betty Cooper nasty. And the introduction <laughs> is clocking clocking him with a golf club and then repeatedly stabbing him to unclock him. Yeah. Like, she makes a pretty badass impression. Absolutely. That may not be. <laughs> well, no, we meet first episode. Uh, Betty, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about Moby Dick. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. The tour episode. Casual literary oh, slut shaming. Right. Hey. Yeah. But is there also like a bit of class betrayal? Like, like mm. she she's hooking up with this guy who's not worth anything and she comes, like, she's a little bit more middle class than Jughead? Question. Uh, it's all low class to Brett. Oh, like, right, gotcha. If you're not yeah. part of the 1%, Right. Now, we just talked over that scene, but that is some, like, if we want to talk about, like, Betty's, like, serial killer wall vibes Or are... Oh, just just with with, with Donna coming by and just, we're like, aha, Betty and Jug, we've got you figured out, and it's like, one step ahead, we go to, you think you found us out, we go to the the headmaster. Um, Yeah, we're ahead of you. Yeah, I We've already undercut your plan. It's it's so satisfying watching those characters be foiled and be defeated. Yeah. Especially, you know, there there are competent heroes mm-hmm. of four years now. Like it's really fun seeing them lose. Gotta make and them work how for they it. deal. <laughs> this yeah. is this is really nice. We can just get to see them like enjoying each other's company. Like they're just so charming on screen. Yeah, like they're they happy are. people to watch Molly Ringwald and KJ Appa yeah. work together. It's... I will say just like KJ is such a delight to have on set cuz he will just like make it his po- cuz we did some like late night shoots in rain in forests. Mm-hmm. Um and he just makes it his point to just keep morale high mm-hmm. on set and like just cracking jokes and just being a delight. The whole time. He seems like a pretty genuine guy. Like he has, like he's like you know Instagram cool and everything. But I'm like, oh, you're secretly just a sweet human, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, trying to be vibe. cool. And you know, I just realized you probably shot a whole bunch of creepy in the wood scenes that are like upcoming footage, flashback for continuity. There's that... uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff in the woods. You'll see. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that one where I got the rock, mm-hmm. and it's what yeah. are you gonna kill me now? Nah, you ass. It's an initiation. Um, oh yeah, where the skull gets mad. Yeah, we get our, our Harry Potter robes. Yeah. Yeah. Serious Harry Potter vibes in that gear. Totally. Um, that must have been fun. Honestly, it's really fun to be in robes. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm is sure it, it is. Is that? That's it. it. That's this episode. Do they do a next time on? No? Not on no. Netflix. Okay. Not on Netflix, they don't. 
Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us in yeah. this. Oh, let me talk about Darth Maul real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah do, so, do, do. yeah, if you ever wanted to see, like, the like most wonderful, um, I don't know, ex, ex, uh, expansion of a character from no lines and just, like, the coolest guy in Phantom Menace to Clone Wars, they bring him back, and initially he's, like, this shattered shell of a man he puts himself back together and he goes from having like strong silent type to being this incredibly like villainous like verbose like like just constantly like not constantly but he just has like these mm-hmm. monologues of, of like shakespearean soliloquies of how he hates obi-wan kenobi <laughs> and like it's unbelievable and dear old sam whitker mr chipping plays him and it is is just one of my favorite characterizations of like how to grow a character so if you were watching Solo, you're like, oh, why is he, like, talking all funny now? It's like, no, there's a reason for it, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and then, in Rebels, he's there! <laughs> and you, ooh, you get to see that big old showdown with him and Kenobi, and it's, oh, it's so good. I've, I've, I've not watched all of Rebels, but I've specifically hunted down the Darth Maul scene. So, so good. Yes. Yeah. No, it, uh... <laughs> um... Fun fact, the Thunderquack Network was actually started as the official Clone Wars podcast oh. and branched off from there. Rightfully so. so. We are on theme. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could get on to that. I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not on it. I just like the show. <laughs> I lost my mind when Rebels decided to have Thrawn show, show up. I mean, oh that was, my gosh, yeah. Okay, surprise, what, what, I'm hijacking your Riverdale podcast and making it a Star Wars one. It's been a, what, what are all the different podcasts that it has been? Like a super, oh. like there's been like like we've just like ripped the BC government a new one for ten Deep minutes. Political <laughs> rants. Yeah. Um, we once just played Call of Cthulhu for two episodes during the summer hiatus. Chill. Yeah, uh, we just built a game in Riverdale yeah. past the summer. It was great. Oh, that's actually really. You <laughs> could buy so a Call of Cthulhu game in Riverdale. Like I so that Brian makes made sense. one. It's it great. It skins so easily. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Ugh. Awesome. When um, Disney... Anyway, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Star Wars? Later. DM me if you want to hear my Star Wars opinions. I, I'm, I'm going to point you towards Mike, because he might actually want, want to nerd about... I mean, I'm you. just a guy who likes it. Like, I don't know. I can't I mean. add any okay. secret insights. Okay. You can you can uh-huh. tell us about meeting Darth Maul. That's better than most. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> He's so cool. He's so very cool. And, oh, He... Mm. Yes, well, I'll save it for the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> um, I guess we'll wrap it up there for now. Okay. But um, you've uh, teased the heck out of us. Um, we haven't seen episode 12 yet, which premieres today. Mm-hmm. You have, obviously, uh, seen at least large swaths of it. I've pans. seen the script and I acted in it, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen how it's cut together. So it, it's, it's still new for me. Um, um, but I'm pretty psyched for it now. Um, yeah. Not that I'm not hyped for the return of Riverdale and all that jazz, but um, now I know secrets mm-hmm. before watching, and that always makes me feel cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally does. It definitely has a frisson. Yeah. Totally has a frisson. Um, so let's leave it there for today, but um, I can't wait to dig back into some of these details once we get to know more of Brett. Yeah. And um, thank you for spending so much time with yeah, us. My absolute you. pleasure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to geek out on my characters. Um, yeah, no. It was a, it's been a, a joy. A joy. A flippin' joy. A flippin' joy. That's us, Ryan and Chloe, a flippin' joy. All right, on gang. that note. <laughs> uh, it's been a flippin' joy, gang. 
And uh, we'll see you again. Thank you, Sean Deppner, for joining us tonight yes. for the Riverdale Gang. Thank you very much. Just uh, a little note, Riverdale Gang. Oh, no, I interrupted. No, go ahead. I was Sorry. just, I was trailing off. What do you got? Um, Just a little note, Riverdale Gang. Um, This is part two of, and if you, um, this is part two, it's backwards. <laughs> so part one, um, we're going to record tomorrow morning after this. Our usual. You know, and then this is part two time travel back to the night before so don't be confused <laughs> continue trailing these are both coming our episode 12 episode is coming out at the same time as this interview the football episode the, yeah, yeah the football okay, episode great. Great, great, yeah, that yeah. we that we yeah 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 i ruined the so, goodbye we had such a good goodbye flip and joy it was happening it was good i couldn't have written it better and then we alas just, we are here. well we've got football <laughs> excitement chloe it's true and and it's our own confusion about Talking about a show, we're gonna we're going to have given commentary about previously that we have not yet seen. I think the takeaway is, I'm very excited for part one of this two parter. Right. <laughs> that. Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, My thank pleasure. You, Sean. And uh, see you real soon, gang. Bye, gang. Bye for now. <laughs>